Hi, everyone, and welcome to How to College for First Gens, our podcast where we get together over some coffee from our amazing sponsors and have some real conversations about what it's like to be a first-gen college student and what it means before, during, and after college. If you're a new listener, our goal here is to democratize some knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more, and hopefully help others going through some of the same challenges that we experienced before. Today, we'll be discussing the topic of mentors and getting the perspectives of some first-gen friends on how they dealt with the topic in different phases of their lives, namely before, during, and after college. So let's get started. Today, we have Jovis Rodriguez, who is a senior in high school and is preparing to become the first one in her family to go to college. Hi, Jovis. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm all good. Thank you. How was your last week of high school? It was pretty interesting, you know, having it being all virtual and stuff, but it was still pretty memorable and fun. Good. And can you tell our listeners where you are headed to college? I will be going to Park University, which is in Massachusetts. Oh, that's great. Are you ready and prepared for the cold weather? Not right now, but hopefully I'll be ready for it. So today we're going to be talking about mentors. And the first question I want to ask you is, can you tell me if you have any mentors? And if so, who are they? I would say I have two mentors. One's a family friend, Ricardo, and my other mentor would be my English teacher from 10th grade. How did you meet Ricardo and how did you know he was your mentor? Well, it kind of started when we were having conversations as a whole family, like the topic of college and the whole college application process kept occurring. And then we kind of started asking more questions about it. And then I started asking him any question when I had any doubts. And then it kind of went into this type of relationship where I could ask him questions if I had about the college process or about anything related to it. So I'm guessing Ricardo is like a family friend? Yes. And then how about your teacher? Tell me a little bit. How did you know she was your mentor? And did you go up to her and say, hey, I'm Joey's and I'm looking for a mentor? Or did it kind of develop organically? I'd say it also developed organically. My teacher, when I first got into my high school, created this small group for students from low-income families and students who weren't really that big in my school. So with that relationship in ninth grade, it started growing as I kept advancing in the school. She kind of started asking questions about what are your thoughts about college? She kind of got involved in my college process. And I went up to her when I had questions about what schools would be considered or if I had questions with my essays like brainstorming ideas with her talking it through or even when I had a few conflicts at my family that revolved around the topic of college and like moving far away so she kind of like helped me through I guess um, to a more personal kind of emotional way it sounds like you went to her whenever you were making some of those hard decisions like should I stay close should I go far away and how did she facilitate those conversations between you and your parents She has a very interesting position in this. I asked her once to help me be the bridge between what I believe that I wanted and what my parents wanted because she herself was in a similar situation where I am. She was one of the first generations from her family and her family as well. They say pretty much to their culture and to what they had always known and believed in. But also she's a mother. Her first child just went to college. So she understood my parents' point of view, but also understood my desires to continue studying away or maybe just studying here, just bridging that conversation between the two conflicts, I believe. 
Good. So you said that she obviously had your best interest, but she was able to relate to your parents as well. So how did you build that trust with her? How did you know that she actually was on your side? And obviously, she understood your parents, but that she had your best interest in mind? There were many times where I'd go up to her during my free time or during lunch and I'd just talk to her about everything that was going on. She'd hear me out, but then again, she'd always make a few comments that was kind of like something that my parents would say. So she let me bounce off ideas off of her and let me have wider perspective of what I wanted and what my options were, considering my family and considering my own desires and also what she herself thought would be a good opportunity for me. So I think what you're saying is that she listened to you, right? in a way that showed compassion and that showed that you were able to trust her. And another thing that you said is she was a testing ground for your ideas. You would test a couple of things with her, knowing that at the end of the day, you would also test them with your parents. Yes, that's right. And what about Ricardo? Tell me about him. How did he help you through your college process? Well, he helped me out more with the whole process itself in regards to editing and reading over my essays that I wrote, helping me out, filling out FAFSA and the other financial things that I needed to fill out and send to schools. He at times helped me out with ACT practices, not much, but still someone that I get comfortable with and take a practice test. He also helped me a lot with bridging that conversations with a more financial kind of like concrete bridge with my parents. It sounds like Ricardo was also a person to bounce off ideas, but he also showed you the more practical tactics and steps of like how to do this FAFSA. And why did you think it was important for him to be your mentor? Or why do you consider him to be your mentor? You could have asked anybody, but what makes it a different relationship? What makes it a mentorship relationship? with him i've known him since i was very little and i saw him grow up and he saw me grow up as well but i've always seen his successes and i've seen how much he succeeded in life and accomplished everything that he has set his mind to so i had already a huge amount of respect towards him and admiration as well and i know that he's experienced a lot of things that soon i will be experiencing and because my parents nor i have gone through it i don't have an older sibling or anything he helped me out and mentored me towards it when i didn't know what it is that i needed to do or what needed needed to be accomplished. So now that you're headed off to college, how do you hope to keep up with your mentors? And what advice do you have for high school students who are continuing to foster this relationship with their mentors? Now that I'm going to college, the relationship will be a little bit different now since I won't be in contact every day with my English teacher or um, be in the same city as Ricardo, my other mentor. I'm going to focus more on like online communication, like an email, telling them about what's been happening now that I'm in college. I'm going to continue asking them if I have any questions and hopefully with my English teacher, with the group that she created, maybe I could also give them some tips now that I'm experiencing something that soon enough the seniors of the next school year of 2021 will be experiencing. So your plan is to communicate via email and just let them know how you're doing and continue to ask questions. So you're about to go to a whole different city, a whole different state. Do you have a strategy to get more mentors as you go through just so you have someone close by given that all your network and all your family is going to be back here in Texas? 
That's actually something that I'm looking into right now. I'm hoping that once I get there, or even before I think I'm going to start emailing some people, I obviously have like a connection with my college administrator at the school itself. So maybe I'll reach out to him and see if he knows anything about like Latinx community and see if there's someone there that I talk to. Hopefully I'll get like a mentor who's a grade or two above me or someone that I can just talk to and rely. Obviously now that I'll be far away from home, but also someone who I feel safe in up to go up to whenever I have anything. I'm really excited to hear that you are already thinking about your network and finding new mentors as you go through this next step of your career. One thing I am curious about is what in your mind told you that it was okay to ask for help. The reason why I ask this is because a lot of the times as first gen students, we think that we have to have all the answers when in reality, we don't have them. And I feel like a lot of folks are maybe scared or shy to ask. And I'm wondering what is it that is going through your mind now that you're going away to college that makes it acceptable and okay to ask for help? At the beginning of my high school experience, it was a little bit intimidating asking someone for help. I think mostly because the way that I was raised, you don't ask for help unless it was like the last thing, like you really need it. And going into high school, I knew that my parents weren't experienced in this. There was a certain limit as to where I could get their help. I mean, their support is always there, you know, their love and encouragement. But there's a difference between me going up to them, asking them, do you know what this is, what this means? And I think that was that was a bit terrifying. But then I'd have to think about it. Is it something that I really want, which is which it was? and it still is so then it's something you have to work up to it you have to put in the effort in order to be able to get what it is that you want out of it I think now that I'm going to college I won't know much I won't know anything honestly new city new experience overall and I think that it's just something that I have to tell myself that it's okay you know to ask for help there's nothing wrong with it in fact it's even better because you'll be getting advice from people who have already been through it and who have experienced and learned from their own pat mistakes or achievements in that situation, which is really helpful for me and for other people who will be going through this experience. I think it's just, you just have to, there's that saying, you know, in Spanish, ponerte las pilas, which is kind of something that I need to do by myself since now it's up to me in order to fully get that full experience college education but I know that I'm not alone in this path I know that there are other people who will be experiencing something similar so that kind of gives me a little bit of comfort or a little push so that I know that I can keep going forward if I look back to my freshman year of college, I thought, oh, I must be the only one experiencing this fear. I must be the only one that is lost in calculus class. I must be the only one that misses my mom and misses home. When in reality, whether or not you're first gen, there's so many people out there that are experiencing those same things. So it's really good that you acknowledge that you're not alone. And as a matter of fact, there's probably every other student at that university is feeling somewhat of, of the things that you are experiencing. My last question for you is, I am wondering, so now that you're headed away, if you could look back into your high school career and give yourself advice. So let's let's just pretend for a second that you are once again a freshman in high school. What advice would you give your 14-year-old self on how to find mentors and how to find people that become part of your cohort of support? 
I tend to be a shy person and not raise my hand when I have questions or keep my doubts or insecurities or uncertainties to myself and only ask like close friends. So I'd say that my first advice to myself at 14 years would be to not be afraid to raise my hand, to ask the questions, to get the answers, to be able to understand everything. Because once you ask questions, you're showing that you want to know more and you're showing that you don't want to stay at the same spot or you want to be able to grow. And I think asking questions or asking people anything or going to someone to get advice, help, is a, it's a very important step to grow in everything, to have more experience in regards to finding a mentor or creating those relationships of support. Again, I, I'd say it's not being shy to have more understanding of what it is that once again, you're not the only one experiencing through this. Maybe by raising your hand and asking that question, you're helping out your neighbor, your classmate, and for getting those mentors going one-on-one talking about a teacher or a faculty member that you believe you have that connection or potentially could have. But then again, it's also like, who do you feel more comfortable with and talk to them? Because once you start talking to that person, they'll be able to get to know you better and it'll be easier to ask for help or to ask to be a mentee or they'll look out for you and ask you questions about things that you haven't thought about or, or give you a new perspective on different areas or different subjects. So I think what you're referring to is two things here, right? Is one, what you just said, ponerte las pilas, which literally translates to put the batteries on, which could mean get your act together, basically. And then the second thing is build a level of trust with people that you meet. So that way they take an interest on you. And that way you feel comfortable asking questions. And it sounds like you were able to do that with both Ricardo and your 10th grade teacher. So with that, we hope that this helps other high school students. And we thank you so much for being in our episode today. And we wish you the best of luck at Clark University. Thank you. Next on our show, we will hear from our college student, Cesar, who just graduated from Rice. Cesar, welcome to our show. How are you? Good. How are you, Norma? Thank you so much for having me on the show. No, it's our pleasure. Um, how do you feel? Congrats. I feel relieved that it's done. It's been a tough four years, but definitely worth it. No, that sounds phenomenal. I'm a huge fan and I'm super excited to have you on the show. So today we're actually going to talk about mentors. So can you tell me who has been the most important mentor that you've had while in college? So first and foremost, there have been a lot of people who have helped me and mentored me into the person that I am today. And it honestly would be impossible to name all the people who played an important role in my journey and coming of age. During my four years of college, I've really learned so much about myself and the world around me through mentorship. Some of these relationships have been closer and some a little bit more distant. But if I were to pick one person, I would say that Christine Martinez at the Rice University Office of Academic Advising has played a crucial role in mentoring me from the time that I was a freshman to now as I prepare to begin dental school. That's super cool. Can you tell me more about how you met your mentor? So you were a freshman, was it through an activities fair? So that's my first question. And then my second question is, how did you know she was your mentor? So before I go into this question, I have a little anecdote that leads into that question. So when I got to Rice, I actually was not pre-dental. 
I had nothing to do with science, and I wasn't really sure what career pathway I wanted to follow. I originally thought I wanted to go into finance or engineering, actually. And really, one of the most important factors for me when I was examining possible career pathways was to pursue a major that would make me, quote unquote, easily employable following my four years at Rice. Being a first-generation low-income college student in the community that I was raised in, rarely did people pursue education beyond high school or technical school. In fact, most of my life, I only distantly knew a handful of people who were college graduates. So four years of college sounded like a long time to me. And because of where I came from, I, in a sense, felt like by getting a four-year college degree, I was already exceeding expectations. So this mentality led me to automatically eliminate career pathways that would require more than four years of education. And one of the possibilities that actually crossed my mind early in high school was dentistry. But once I learned that it would require a minimum of eight years to reach that goal, I didn't give it much thought and automatically defaulted into a career that I could get a job with after four years of college. And during my first semester at Rice, I met a variety of people from different backgrounds and different walks of life. And this mentality that I had acquired for most of my life began to change. Since Rice is located across the street from the largest medical center in the world, a large percentage of its students are often interested in pursuing medical school. And due to Rice's ability to attract high caliber students, many of my other classmates were also interested in pursuing law school or graduate school to someday earn terminal degrees. One day in particular, I remember having a discussion with my freshman college roommate who was on the pre-medical track and whose parents were both doctors. And during the conversation, he said something that really resonated with me. He said, yeah, it'll take a long time to reach my goal, but ultimately I'd rather be in school than out in the real world. And this got me thinking, you know, that is true. Time will go on. And in all honesty, I enjoy being a student. So why rush through my education to my end goal uh, when I should really just enjoy the journey? Now, that being said, I, I recognize that as a first gen low income student, there can be other external pressures that can affect someone's decision to pursue further education. And I've definitely not been immune to those pressures. I've had to make big sacrifices in my life to keep me on track to achieving my personal goals. But I have high hopes that at the end of the day, all the sacrifices and hurdles that I've had to overcome will be worth it. So with this new mentality on education, I decided to look into dentistry again and instantly fell in love with it. So when I went back to Rice for my second semester of college, I immediately made an appointment with the Rice University of of Academic Advising, and they paired me with Christine, who had extensive experience with advising pre-dental students at Rice. And the rest is history. Over time, she began, she became my go-to person for all mentoring that I needed throughout college. And her husband is actually a dentist too. So I'm sure that gave her another layer of experience when advising me on my college journey as a pre-dental student. Yeah, I think you point out some really important things that come along with being a first-gen college student, specifically a low-income first-gen college student. And the pressures are real to like support our families. But I was really glad to hear that you continue to do basically what you love and your passion. Can you tell me how Christine kind of helped to shape that mentality for you? Did you all have conversations about what it meant to be a first-gen and what it means to follow your passion as a first-gen? 
Yeah, so essentially what I just said is in a nutshell what I discussed with Christine, the the feeling that I had to get through my four years of college and support my family again. And she was really the first person to open my eyes into the world of dentistry. And once I looked more into dentistry, I found to my surprise that many of the things that I desired in a career felt under dentistry. STEM is greatly embodied in the dental profession. Hand dexterity is a big part of it. And I play guitar in the mariachi. So that's definitely helped me develop hand dexterity. As a dentist, you have the opportunity to someday become a business owner. And ultimately, you have a chance to build close knit relationships with families and communities. And this is all part of dentistry. So there's something very specific that you mentioned, which is basically she opened up to you and you opened up to her. So you all created a level of trust. Can you tell me how did you know you could trust her and you could believe that what she was telling you was basically the right steps to get you into your dream career? I think at first, she was probably just doing her job, you know, that that's her job to advise students. But over time, as we kept meeting each other semester after semester and catching up on what was going on in each other's lives, I began to feel more comfortable and knew that I could trust this person with anything that was going on through my mind or in my life or help with any tough decisions that I needed to make. I don't think there was one moment that I can say, bam, she's my mentor, but over time, the relationship grows and we just became more comfortable with each other. So that's what exactly what I've been finding out after talking to a lot of people. It's very rare that it's a moment where you go ask somebody, will you please be my mentor, right? It's it's a relationship that kind of organically grows. And I keep on hearing that over and over again. So how did you make sure you kept up with her? Obviously, you went to see her every semester. But did you do anything outside of those meetings that help to establish that relationship. This is a super important point to consider because a great mentoring relationship is one that is two-way. I think your mentors want to hear about how you are doing in your life. They want to know how you've been doing since you last spoke. And following up with them is super important in maintaining the overall health of the mentoring relationship. So I personally followed up with Christine throughout college by going out of my way to make an appointment to meet with her once or twice or even three times a semester during the busy ones to give her an update on my life, the activities I was involved in, and the classes that I was taking. And during my dental school application cycle, at the end of my third year, beginning of my fourth year of college, I made sure to send her update emails periodically each time I would receive school interview invitations and acceptances. And another thing that I find out is that oftentimes when you have a mentee-mentor relationship, the failures and successes are both of y'all. So she probably felt really invested in those interviews that you got and those acceptance letters. So can you tell me how she would respond when you would send her that we did it email? She was always super excited to hear about how I was doing, how the advice she would give me would pan out at the end of the day. I was actually one of the few that had her all four years. So especially during this last year of college, this last semester that we had to leave early, I got the chance to meet with her back in February, my spring 2020 semester. And we had a a moment to reflect on how much I had grown during my four years of college and the instrumental role that she played in helping develop me and 
ultimately getting into dental school. So another thing that you mentioned that I wanted to follow up on is that you said a mentor-mentee relationship is two ways, right? And I'm interested to learn how you have also shown up for your mentor. In other words, how have you made this relationship a two-way stream? So Christine is actually the assigned uh, Office of Academic Advising person for pre-dental students. And although there are a lot of pre-medical students at Rice University, the pre-dental community is more tight-knit. So after four years of being advised by Christine, I had people that I was mentoring myself in the pre-dental organization at Rice, and I would recommend that they go see her because of the wealth of information that Christine had acquired over the years after mentoring so many pre-dental students at Rice. I really love this idea that you've already started to think about how you show up as a mentor, right? not only showing up for Christine, but now there's a second wave that you're also helping and supporting. So can you tell me a little bit about how you came into that role of being a mentor to younger folks who were also thinking about dentistry? During college, I've involved myself in organizations with high school students, middle school students, one of which you actually started, the Young Owls Leadership Program. And I also participated in Tapio Camps at Rice, which is four one-week camps for high school students students interested in STEM. And through these two organizations, I've been able to spend time with a group of younger students for a a week at a time and have been able to maintain many of those relationships and follow it up with how they are doing in school, different tests that they are taking, and just how they're doing in life. So definitely, Christine has set an example for how I should mentor the people that come after me. I'm super excited to hear that because as first-gen students, I I often think it's beautiful how we continue to climb, but we continue to build and climb at the same time. So let me ask you something that might be a little bit hard to answer, but I just would love your thoughts. What has been the most important thing or things that you've learned from your mentor? Christine is definitely one of the most positive people that I've ever met. She's always smiling and happy and has such a positive outlook on life and has taught me the importance of tackling the challenges of life with a positive attitude. Another thing, Christine's super organized. Every time I walk into her office, she always seems so organized with how she managed the various parts of her life. And that is definitely something that I would like to emulate in my own life. Yeah, for sure. I think we can all get better at organizing and ensuring we have all of our eyes dotted and our T's crossed. So I'm really glad that you're learning that from Christine. So now that you're going on to dental school, I'm interested to learn how you are going to continue to keep up with Christine and maybe some of the other mentors that you gained at Rice. How do you get this relationship to go beyond your four years that you were there? My mentoring relationships are super important to me especially the one with Christine, because she's played such an instrumental role in developing me as a college student and overall person. She first met me when I was a wide-eyed freshman and really molded me into a better person and helped me achieve my goal of getting into dental school. So I will definitely make sure to provide her with updates throughout my dental school journey on how each semester is going as I transition from classroom learning to more clinical learning and ultimately uh, graduate from dental school. I'm sure she's going to be very excited once she gets that invitation from your graduate school. It's a beautiful feeling when you know that you played a 
very small part or a big part in her case in getting somebody's dreams to become a reality. So the last question I have for you is, knowing that our listeners are first-gen college students, what is the one piece of advice you have for them on how to either get mentors in college, continue that relationship, or how to navigate this very hard part of their lives with so many unknowns? I would say don't be afraid to ask for help. And I I say that from personal experience. When I got to college, asking for help was something that was super difficult for me. I I didn't want to show the people around me that I didn't know about something. So that was a personal barrier that I had to overcome. And I think it's one of the most important ones. Just go out of your way. The people there want to help you. They're there to help you. So make the most of your college experience by reaping the benefits of these mentoring relationships that you can form with the people on your campus. So with that, Cesar, I would like to thank you so, so much for taking part of your afternoon to chat with our listeners. Anytime, Norma. Thank you so much for having me on the show. Thank you and best of luck in dental school. Next, to progress our conversation on mentors, we will hear from Vanessa Morales, who actually graduated from college now nine years ago, and she's going to tell us about her mentor, Mr. Martin. Welcome to the show, Vanessa. How are you? Hey, how are you? Good. Thanks for coming on the show. So, Vanessa, can you just give us like two or three sentences about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So, my name is Vanessa Morales. I've lived in Houston all my life, born and raised here. I graduated from Rice University. I majored in sports management and political science. Then I went into Teach for America and I became a middle school math teacher and I've been teaching ever since. So today on the show, we're actually going to be talking about mentors. And I was wondering if you could tell our listeners who has been the most important mentor that you've had throughout your life. I'm very excited to talk about Mr. Martin. And I feel like for those people who know me, whether it's my friends, family members, for those who know me pretty well, everybody knows of Mr. Martin because he has had that much of an impact on me and continues to have a drastic, drastic and positive impact on my life. So I met him in high school. I went to Waltrip High School and I technically met him when I was like in ninth or 10th grade, but I didn't have him as a teacher. I just saw him. He was a fairly present teacher around campus. And then in the 12th grade, I took his statistics and calculus class. And actually not that many people know this, but I, in 11th grade, he was very close to a really good friend of mine. And I saw their relationship and a lot of students just really gravitated towards him. He was always really advocating for students, really pushing them to apply to top colleges and just really just advocating for this college readiness process and being prepared for these rigorous colleges. And so I was like, hey, I want to meet this person. He seems really awesome. And then I I took two of his classes in my senior year and we just became really close. And he, I hesitate to say that he's kind of like a father figure to me because I'm personally really close to my dad and that relationship is very different, but he is what I call my life mentor. He has guided me in every step of my life. At first it was about like going to college and then afterwards it just became mentor, a mentorship in my life. And it's, and it's pretty awesome. But that relationship sounds like it really impacted your life. But I do want to go back a little bit and dig in. So how did you know he was your mentor? Did you ask him? Was it a relationship that kind of evolved? What was that like? Yeah, it was definitely just a relationship that evolved over time. In high school, I don't think I really knew of the concept of a mentor. But luckily, I am one who when I need help, I have no shame in asking out for help. So because in 
my senior year, I was applying to so many different colleges and I recognized that he was a teacher that was really advocating for like, hey, here's apply to QuestBridge. And then if we need to help with applying, he was giving us, you know, the right contacts. He would, he would physically walk students over to the counselor's office or, you know, to my AP coordinator saying, hey, she needs to be in these AP classes and everything. So at the time, I kind of recognized that he was a teacher that I should be going to for help for college, but I never really asked him specifically. Um, and then throughout my senior year, when I started getting a lot of help from him, and then I kind of just started opening up to him about my personal life. And then it kind of just evolved from there. And then it wasn't until probably my early 20s, maybe even mid 20s, like 24, 25 is where I realized like, hey, this is actually my life mentor. And then now that I recognize that I'm able to go to him for more specific things. And I'm able to try to strive to be that type of mentor for other people in my life. One thing that you said that really resonated with me was that as first gen students, many times we don't have the answers and we have to ask for help. But a lot of the times our listeners are either afraid or shy or maybe even fear rejection, right? From somebody that might say, no, I can't help you. So I'm wondering in your brain, sort of what gave yourself permission to go and ask for help, even though Mr. Martin could have easily said, no, sorry, I don't have time. I don't know. I think, I guess I'm trying to think back. I know at the time I never really felt a fear. I think I was just very observant. And I, as I'm walking through my thought process, I'm remembering this moment specifically that for some reason has always kind of stuck in my brain, but I never really, I never really processed it. But I remember being in the hallway and I don't know, it was during high school, my friend and I, my really close friend at the time, we were sitting together and there was some public gathering going on. And then she was next to me and I recognized that I knew that she was close to Mr. Martin. They had taken high school stats together. Like she took his stats class when she was in our junior year. So therefore I took his class in our senior year. But during that time, as I was sitting next to her, I remember him coming at the table and saying, you know, saying hi to my friend and then saying, hey, I don't know you, but I I recognize you. I want you to be in my class. So I kind of just observed that he was very open. And once I saw that he was willing to positively interact and help other people, and then I recognized that my friends trusted him, then I realized, okay, I I feel comfortable going to him as well. Yeah, this concept of trust is really important because many times we open up our lives to our mentors, not just can you help me apply, but it's basically here's all the other aspects of my life that I need your help and support. And you did mention that Mr. Martin then later on became your life mentor. So can you help us define what is a life mentor and what other types of support systems have you been able to gain from Mr. Martin? How I would define a life mentor is someone who you trust and can confide in and can go to for advice for, uh, in my experience, for practically anything. Somebody who you trust that you can open up to, that you can just ask them for their perspective. At first, it was all academic. First of all, he was helping me not not necessarily apply for these AP classes, but yeah, he was convincing me to take these AP classes. That was it. And then it was how to apply for QuestBridge. But then after that, once I went to college, I continued calling him for help. And I remember just in my senior year, a huge part of this mentorship was help me get into college. 
And then once I got into college, once I got into Rice, it was just this whole new world where I became very overwhelmed. I remember even before me getting into Rice, I started opening up to him just saying like, hey, I'm really scared. Yeah, I, it was just very emotional for me. I was thinking like, I'm, I'm not going to be able to stay in this college. I don't know how I got in. And then that's kind of where it evolved. Like in other words, the conversation no longer became help me get into college, but just, hey, actually this all works. I actually got into this really good school. Now, can you support me along the way? And so- I think that's when it was, it became really personal because I had to be very vulnerable with him. And I'm one of faith and he, and he is a faith also. So he would send me Bible scriptures or he would just listen to me cry over the phone and say like, everything's going to be okay. And then later, as I got older, it became giving me advice on personal situations with my family. He's just a very wise, wise person. And whenever I needed help or I, I wanted his perspective on like with my friendships or something, he gave me his perspective as well. There have just been, with both of my parents, both of my parents have gone through struggles and there have they have been very deep struggles. And I, I have felt comfortable enough to open up to him about those two situations. And then even for me personally, or when I need help on you know my career or going to grad school or buying a house, now it's just practically anything. Like, hey, Mr. Martin, I need help with doing my taxes or what lending company I should go with for my house. And I guess it all started from going to college and that advice, but then it just evolved over all sorts of things that it just, he is just a very experienced person. And then I, I came to realize that me being a first generation college student not only meant that I had a lot of questions regarding college, but also I had and continue to have a lot of questions on just life in general, because I can't necessarily ask my parents for help on you know, buying a house or, you know, help with my finances because I'm going through a lot of things that they haven't, but Mr. Martin has. So yeah, just kind of spread from there. So it sounds like the relationship has evolved in many ways from beginning to just ask, how do I get into an AP class all the way now to I'm going to become a house owner. What are your thoughts on this, right? Mm -hmm. And so and why do you think Mr. Martin continues to show up for you? I don't know. I think so. That's actually a question that I ask myself a lot. I mean, I suppose I could also ask him. I'm very close to him. I spoke to him, I don't know, like just like four or five days ago. I think he does this because he's, I mean, just the kind of person he is. He is a very caring person. I think from my perspective, I think what attracted me to him in terms of a mentor, and I think, well, he was number one, very open and willing. And then number two, just a very wise, experienced person. And I trust the, the wealth of knowledge that he has. But then when I think about why he reciprocates that, I think he's just one who values helping other people. He is, I don't know, maybe in his like 24th, 25th year of teaching. And I know the relationship that he and I have, the mentorship, very special. However, he also has a lot of very positive relationships with his students. It is very common for him to take his students out to eat, former students that he hasn't had in 10 or 15 years. And I think that's just the kind of person he is. I think he got into the the work of teaching to help other people. And he's really good at it. And as a result, other people are seeking his mentorship as well. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. And I'm curious about the other side of the equation, which is you, right? How do you show up for him? And I'm hoping that our listeners here take some advice and maybe tips on how you make a relationship a two-way relationship. 
I would say that I call him as well. It's not like, not only do I reach out to him when I need help or anything, a lot of times I just reach out to him for his company. We'll have, you know, about a bite to eat or something, even just like small tokens of appreciation. I know it's just really crazy because as, as I'm thinking about it, I, Mr. Martin is not one who collects things. He's definitely a minimalist. I'm not sure if he did, did it like as a conscious decision, but he, his place is like very, very simple. But I remember when I went, oh, is it? he's a huge Green Bay Packer fan uh, for football and football is something that he and I bonded with a while back and continue to bond over. And when I had the opportunity to go visit the Green Bay Packer Stadium, automatically I was like, oh, Mr. Martin, and I got him a glass. And it it was just like a small like token of appreciation, but just like small things like that, even though it like for me, it you know, it wasn't the most expensive lavish gift and partially because I knew he's not one to like collect a lot of things. He likes keeping things very simple, but it was just something that like, hey, this represents a bond between you and me. I saw this, I thought of you, like I, and therefore, you know, I I gifted it to him and it meant a lot to him. And also, yeah, I think I just call him, call him and check on him. I, I remember at one point, it was very interesting. It was a couple of years ago where he had actually called me for advice in regards to teaching because, you know, as a lot of people know, the teaching profession can be very difficult. It can be very draining. And a lot of times I would go to him for advice, like, Hey, I'm, I'm exhausted. How do you do this? Et cetera. And then at one point it felt like the tables had turned and he was having kind of like a rough time just a rough batch. And he had called me and kind of like to, to vent. And I remember just thinking like, Whoa, I, I never thought I would be in this situation where he was calling me for not necessarily like help, but just as a support system. So I guess to specifically answer your question, if it's not just tokens of appreciation and calling him to check on him to see how he's doing as well. But I also make sure that I am here to support him whenever, whenever he needs me also. That's really incredible, right? When all of a sudden you are the one imparting some type of knowledge and some type of, of I'm here for you to someone that you looked up to. I, I imagine for you, that might have been a very transformational moment where like now you quote unquote made it, which is we, we don't even know what quote unquote making it. And that's what we're trying to explore in this podcast. But in this situation, right, like you had graduated, you had been teaching, and now you two could impart some wisdom back, making it a mutual relationship, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I just remember being on the phone and just hearing him in a, in a point of frustration. I just kind of felt a little bit surreal, surreal. But at the same time, I'm like, hey, I mean, he has helped me so, so much and has dedicated so much time on his end. I mean, I'm willing to do anything to support him as well. So I was happy for I was happy for it, but it was definitely a, a, a different moment that I, that, I had, uh, that I had experienced with him. So uh, my last question for you is, knowing that we have a lot of now postgraduates that listen to, to our podcast, I am wondering if you have a piece of advice on how they can continue to foster these relationships with their mentors as they also begin to, you know, live life and get a job and, and you know, buy houses and continue to live the, the dream that they imagine. So what are some tips or a piece of advice that you have on how you can keep up with your mentors? Some tips that I have mainly, I mean, it sounds, it sounds kind of just simple. I kind of feel a little bit silly for naming it, but it's just, I think just phone calls go, go a long way. Mr. Martin and I maybe see each other, I don't know, two, three times a year physically. And during those times, we'll go have something to eat. He's actually taken my students out to eat before. Um, so that was pretty cool. But yeah, I mean, just every few weeks, we'll, one of us will call each other and 
the phone call might last 10 minutes, it might last an hour. But I just think, especially now when things get busy or we tend to jam pack our schedule, we tend to think like, okay, I have to go and if I, in order for me to spend time with somebody, it has to be lunch, it has to be me, be making this whole day out of it. No, just a simple phone call, you know, on your commute to work or something is, is, is enough to keep that relationship going. Um, so that's definitely how our relationship continues. And the second piece, I would say, this is something that I have to grow in is to reach out even if it's like a small text when, you know, you think of each other. So for example, sometimes like I, I hit a personal goal for me. I'm trying to buy a house. I am at the point where I feel comfortable at savings and I send a text. Hey, awesome. Thank you, Mr. Martin, because now I'm meeting with my lender. I couldn't have done this without you. Or, hey, I saw this concert on TV. I remember you and I, you know, talking about this artist. Just wanted to say, hey, it was pretty cool. So just text, phone calls, I think go a long way to sustain a relationship. So with that, I would like to thank you, Vanessa, for your time and for imparting some really important knowledge to our listeners on what it's like to have a live mentor. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited for this project that y'all have coming along. And thank you so much for the opportunity to get to reach other some more of your listeners. So first-gen listeners, you have heard the evolution of mentors depending on the three stages. We begin with Jovis, our high school student who helped us lay the foundation that asking for help is totally okay for mentors. Because let's face it, as first-gen students, we certainly don't have all the answers. Next, we heard from Cesar, who reminded us how critical it is to have trust and be open to our mentors the way he did. And that's how he ended up in dental school now. Lastly, we heard from Vanessa that became a first-gen college student nine years ago and has continued to build a relationship with her mentor that has evolved to a life mentor relationship. We'll have some resources on our website, so please feel free to check them out. Send us questions and feedback. We want to hear from you, what you're struggling with, and how we can help. Thanks again to our speakers and sponsors. Until next time, 